Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. Each week we discuss a movie that one of us hasn't previously seen, but the other one has. It might be a favorite film, controversial film, or one we just can't believe the other hasn't watched. We'll go over the plot of the film in our show portion, go back and forth over the film's merits, points, and details in Lowdown, and finish up with the Roundup, where we decide if the film was worth seeing, if it's still worth seeing, and if it's worth seeing a second time. This week, we'll be talking about the 1962 classic, To Kill a Mockingbird. I am one of your hosts on the East Coast, Max Levine. And I am one of your hosts on the Mid-Coast, Mike Luce. <laughs> well, technically, you're on the coast of one of the Great Lakes, right? Well, it's it's near. <laughs> yeah. But the lake that we're near isn't very great. It's a, but... well, Okay, one of the good lakes. No, I meant the one the... at the end of the street. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yes, that's, that's kind of, you know. large pond. Well, yeah. Mm. We're in the middle of the country. Well, we. I'm in the middle of the country. Yep. You're in the middle of the country, and I'm in the proper part of the country. Yeah, oh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, we've just <laughs> alienated half. Well, no, well. At least three quarters of the country. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I was hey. thinking our listeners, but we don't have any yet. So. Yes, yes. I hope we haven't offended our listener. <laughs> uh, technically, that's me, because I yep. do the editing. <laughs> oh, well, then who cares? Ah, exactly. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> The show. Okay, so uh, the basic summary of this movie is in a small town in Alabama in 1932, Atticus Finch, played by the splendid Gregory Peck, is a lawyer and a widower with two young children, Jem and Scout. Atticus is defending Tom Robinson, a black man accused of raping a white woman. Meanwhile, Jem and Scout and their friend Dill are intrigued by their neighbors, the Radleys, and the mysterious, seldom-seen Boo Radley in particular. Largely, this is a the view of a terrible event to the eyes of children. I think that covers it. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff to find out about this movie. The movie, it won three Oscars. Uh, best Actor for Gregory Peck, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Art Direction. You know, one of the ones that, let's face it, nobody cares about. Art Direction. Yeah. It got nominated for a slew of others, including, by the way, Best Actress. <clears throat> uh, the the girl who plays Scout was nominated, and she lost out to, oddly enough, another child actress, Patty Duke, for, in, oh, the Miracle, in The Miracle Worker. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that's... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A yeah. Uh, couple of things. By the way, did you notice who the... the one of the boys, Dill... Oh, yes. The, yes, he's in my notes. <laughs> Noticed exactly who he yep. was. John like, Magna. Bonk, bonk on the uh, head. Bonk, yep. bonk. Best known, at least to us, from the Star Trek, the original series episode, Miri. Yes. As, as one of the, uh, I don't know, feral children or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Scattering of, of feral children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the odd thing is the two kids who I thought were terrific uh, and whose names I never remember... Who, Jem and Scout? Yeah, yeah, Jem and Scout. I mean, the actor and the actress, uh, Mary Bottom. Uh, That was like the only thing they did. They left acting pretty shortly after that. Uh, Yeah, I went looking for the Philip, what's his name, the boy, uh, Jem, which Mm -hmm. I I really wish somebody would explain why that's a good name for a boy. I'm betting it was Jim and they mispronounced it. They just stuck with it. 
Oh, that's how it's spelled in the, yeah, in the credits. Yeah, I know. Um, he acted as late as 72, but I think that was yeah. as far as he went. Yeah. Um, he went off and became a businessman, apparently. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, the girl. Yeah, I don't know what happened to her either. Yep. But, she went off, uh, got married, and raised a couple of kids, never did much else in uh, movies. Well, that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And what other trivia, trivia have you, Matt? <laughs> uh, well, for one thing, uh, this film... In addition to being, I think it's number 25 on the American Film Institute's list of greatest movies ever. Mm-hmm. This was, according to him, to him, it was Gregory Peck's favorite work. Oh. He, lo- he loved this movie. And uh, Brock Peters, who plays Tom Robinson, who you also may recognize from several instances of Star Trek. Um, I think he, wasn't he a Commodore somewhere? Yep, yep. He was a traitorous admiral at one point, And in Deep Space Nine, he plays uh, Ben Sisko's father. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he's when he was testifying, mm-hmm. and you see he starts to cry, he wasn't faking that. He was crying. And uh, every time Gregory Peck had to look at him, he couldn't look him in the eye because he would start choking up. So he would always look right past his ear. Real quick, I mean, this is not trivia, but dear gods, Brock Peters' performance was mm. freaking fantastic. Isn't that amazing? And he's like and, on screen for 10 minutes. Yeah, at best. It, oh my god, he was like, it was almost like Matthew McConaughey showing up and saying, like, mm. here, I'm going to steal the movie now. And, um, but part of that is he has that incredible voice. He does, but he was just like, voice. you could just see he was so scared. Yeah. And just like, you know... I don't know what to do because well we'll get to that anyway just amazing yeah, yeah. performance he, he yeah. knocked knocked me silly he was, you know, it was crazy do you know who else was considered for that role James Earl Jones oh well you know <laughs> yeah another incredible voice yep yeah uh, the character Atticus Finch is actually uh, you know the, this is all based from the best-selling novel uh, by Harper Lee oh well, the, what was it called <laughs> of the same name <laughs> to oh. kill a mockingbird. And the character of Atticus is based on Lee's father, Amasa A.C. Lee. And uh, apparently, Gary Peck went down to uh, Monroeville, Alabama and met him. Oh. And uh, really liked him. And during the filming at one port, point, when uh, Harper Lee was on the, scene, on the set, he looked over and he saw she was crying. And he, and he went over to, to see what was wrong, and she said... It's it's perfect. It's exactly the way I wanted it. It's like watching my father. Huh. So this is apparently before she wrote that other book, which apparently yeah. makes Atticus Finch out to be a total jerk. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's we'll let's kind pretend of... that didn't happen because she died, didn't yeah, she? Yeah. Let's just there. Pretend. It never happened. That was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome, literary world. <laughs> <laughs> well, he apparently uh, Harper Lee uh, after the shooting gave uh, Gregory Peck her father's watch. Oh. Mm. Wow. And appar- apparently also Walt Disney saw this movie and reportedly looked up at one of his aides and said, that's the kind of film I wish I could make. Keep in mind, this was during the parent trap, absent-minded professor period of Disney. Oh, dear. Well, yeah. you know, it, but it was pre-computer who wore tennis shoes and <laughs> it was, uh, strongest yeah. boy in the world. So Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, the character Dill is apparently loosely based on Harper Lee's good friend Truman Capote. Uh, well, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. not, yeah. Because <laughs> one of the, I mean, all right, the kid's very recognizable. I'm going to be very kind and leave it at that. I saw the face and I knew <laughs> yeah. exactly who he was. He has but very also distinctive like, features. <laughs> dressed to fail. 
Yeah, well. <laughs> it's like, I okay, so I'm paler than black and white film, <laughs> and I'm going to put on a short sleeve button-up white shirt, shorts, and long black socks, and I'm going to pull up to my knees. Not knickers, socks, yeah, and yeah. shorts, because, yeah. No idea why his nickname was Dill and not, please hold my head in the toilet. <laughs> swirly. We'll just yeah. call you Swirly. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. What, one other thing, one that amazing speech that Atticus does his summation speech at the oh. end of the trial, which runs six and a half minutes. They did that in one take. Wow. Yeah. I guess he's. You could say he's a. Um, he's a professional. He is. He is in fact a a very qualified gentleman. Of course, then he went on to do things like what was it? Stranded in space. Or yes, he did <laughs> stranded space. And boys from Brazil, and obviously he had bills to pay later in life. Yeah, that's <laughs> when he got a little less. Peckish. <laughs> yeah, although I always admired Gregory Peck was awesome during the uh, the Red Scare during the House and American Activities Committee, where basically oh, yeah. he he went up to the committee and they were saying we want you to name names. We think you're a socialist, and Gregory Peck po- very politely told them to go take a flying one. Huh? And he just absolutely very calm and very polite, and just I think what you're doing is terrible, and I think you should be ashamed of yourselves. And uh, I'm not going to cooperate. You want to send me to prison? Take your best shot, and they and look he at never him. made another movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, "Well, Al Gregory Peck, yeah, yeah. yeah." This apparently he made some movie with John Wayne, oh. and uh, things were a tad tense on set because Wayne was a big supporter of uh, House on American Activities Committee and the Hunt for Communists. I thought you were going to say he was a big jerk. I actually don't know. I mean, Wayne may have been a decent guy, but he was also extremely conservative. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to go with jerk. (laughs) No, I've never met him. I don't know anything about John Wayne, except that one episode where he did help Lucy out after all she did to him. (laughs) And when he came to help Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies, when she was worried about being attacked by Indians. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Any other trivia? Trivia? Well, not so much trivia, but I'm curious, did you recognize Boo Radley? Um, I think it wasn't so much that I recognized him, but I knew that it was him. Oh, you did? Well, you know, the voice is what gave it away. <laughs> uh, it's a silent part. Oh, right. No, <laughs> there is absolutely no way you would recognize Robert Duvall at yeah. all, ever. Um, I will, however, say there was a couple of other people that I recognized, one of whom you you actually do know, and you I don't know how you, you uh, skated over him, uh, because we had one Star Trek reference, but there was another one. Ooh, who? Actually, three, because you said that um, Brock Peters oh, yeah, later Brock on Peters, went on to yep. DS9. Yeah. Uh, William Wyndham, who huh? was in the episode The Doomsday Machine, who oh. also went on to a very short-lived uh, TV show that for some reason has stuck in my head since it was on, and I don't think it was ever rebroadcast called This Is My World and Welcome to It. Don't know that one. It was a TV show based on, I think it was Jules Pfeiffer? He was a cartoonist. Oh, Oh, yeah, because that's the name of one of Pfeiffer's books. Yeah, and his daughter was played by Lisa Gerritsen, who was like one of two ubiquitous child actors in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, She was on The Odd Couple. I mean, she was on everything. Uh, She was in Mary Tyler Moore Show. She played Bess. Um, Oh. she She played the daughter. And, of course, he later went on to be the town doctor in Murder, She Caused. Ah, and and that's right. And William Wyndham, he was the uh, prosecutor. Yes. In the trial. Okay. Also, did you recognize Alice Ghostly? Yes, because it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, wait a minute. Isn't that Mimi Murray's wife from Odd Couple? (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. 
<laughs> so yeah, there's a whole bunch of people. There's actually mm -hmm. one more actress that I was like, what did she do? And she was Mayella. Um, and she yeah. did a bunch of stuff. She, apparently she was more known for uh, Broadway, I think. But she was in an episode of Columbo. Uh, oh, well, there you go. Wait, who was she? Which Mayella? Yeah, no, I mean, oh. which episode of Columbo? So there was an episode starring, I always get the, the um, not, is it Mike Connors? The, the uh, guy with the, knocked the battery off his shoulder. Oh, Robert Conrad. Robert Conrad. Conrad Connors, whatever. <laughs> um, so he was playing this exercise guru, and uh, he killed somebody who found out that he was embezzling funds or t stealing funds from Okay, people. I remember she, the episode, yeah. She played his wife. Oh. And she, was, she was a drunk. But that, believe it or not, that's oh, man. Yeah, no things kidding. have changed in, you know, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. There was a home all these people that I'd recognized from there. And most of it was like, weren't you? Weren't you? And that was, except for Dylan, it was like, oh, yeah, you were. I mean, I'm going to look it up to make sure. But, yeah, you you are. You just <laughs> are. You played that role. Uh -huh. So Because you're very recognizable. Mm. So. Yeah, Any so more trivia? Oh, there's tons. But I, I think that's uh, that's enough for now. Okay. So are, are you trying to say that we should move into the um, uh, lowdown portion yeah. of our... Let's do let's do a lowdown hoedown. I'm not going to dance with you. Oh, well they don't know. So yes, Dan Mike is dancing like a maniac right now. Oh, now they're totally going to is. know. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Stop messing up the show. <laughs> oh no way. <laughs> the lowdown. So yeah, obviously of the of the two of us, I'm the one who had not seen this movie. I've seen this movie about three four times. And it's one of those movies that, you know, I'm sure it is on the 1001 movies you're supposed to see before your die list. Mm -hmm. That's that's it's one of those movies. Almost certainly. The reason the reason I never got around to it was because it was one of those films that felt like work. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess. And it's like this was a book you were supposed to read in high school. Um Disclaimer, Max and I went to a, quote, progressive high school, end quote, and at least I was not assigned this book in high oh, school. I, in fact, I I'm did. not even sure that book was on campus. Oh, I read that book. I think I read it in junior high, but I did read the book. And yeah. the book's very different. Well, not very different, but there's a lot they leave out, you know, as often oh, really? as the case. Yeah. Huh. The part, one of the things, I was kind of sorry, because it's, it's a really interesting part of the book. Do you recall, right at the beginning, they're passing this old woman, Miss DuBose, her yes. house? And, you know, Atticus... The gun. Speed, yeah, exactly. Supposedly the Confederate pistol in her lap. There's a whole arc in there where basically Jem does something to piss her off or, like, damages something in her garden. And Atticus orders him to go over and spend time with Miss DuBose. And Miss DuBose makes him sit there and read to her from the Bible. Well, she is sitting there clutching her blanket and just with this twisted look on her face and... Jim has no idea why she does this. It seems to make her miserable. And finally, toward the end of the book, she dies. And uh, Atticus explains to Jim that she was in terrible pain most of her life, and she was addicted to morphine. She took morphine most of her life to, to manage the pain, and she refused to die beholden to anything, including the drug. So she stopped taking it, and she wouldn't take... She knew She had the kid over... Because she knew herself, she knew she couldn't make herself take the drug in front of Jem. Oh. So she kept him there. She used him there basically uh, to go to go through the withdrawal, so she could die clean. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It was. It I was mean, it's, it's, it sounds cool. It also sounds like it could also be its own novella. Yeah, but it also it emphasizes the theme of what 
that that great thing that Atticus says to his daughter Scout, and that you can't really judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Right. And you know, it's like you didn't know anything about Mister Bose, and you didn't understand that. And now maybe you understand her a little better. Hmm. And then she died, so it's too late to understand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's life. Yeah. So um, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask. Did you like the movie? Ah, we got we get that to the sh- in the showdown portion. Ah, okay, so we're, I'm not going to say. Okay, um, I did love the opening. Like mm. they got me from frame one. It's like the way it was shot, and that's the thing too. Is and sometimes I see films like this, and it really makes me miss black and white because it seems like cinematographers just knew more about what they were doing back huh. then. Um, I watched a, a I'm sure a restored digital print, you know, on iTunes, and just the contrast, the the detail. And just the whole way the opening was laid out, the box of stuff, which, of course, mm. you know, you're listening to, I'm assuming it's Scout, humming while she's coloring and stuff. And, you know, there she's, there's the Mockingbird in question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't really know what's going on, but it's this pastiche of stuff which eventually becomes important. But I just really liked the opening. Um, it, it, it grabbed me and said, and, of course, she's humming. And I didn't, the only thing I knew about this movie was the trial. Like, that's it. Yeah. I didn't know anything else about the film. So it's like, well, this is not what I expected. So that was nice. Hmm. I will say though, Scout supposed to be six, huh? Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> more well, like ten. Yeah, they're all supposed to be like six or seven. Yeah. Well, also the amount of time that passes in the movie, they're supposed to be like two years. Yeah, something like that—a year or two, anyway. Because yeah, it's two summers. Well, yeah, which is, it's like, oh, the school year started, up, oh, it's done. It's like, wait, was there a winter in there? Because I, I missed something. <laughs> um, yeah, but you also, the, the girl who played Scout, that character, you can't help but like her. Yeah. And I really want to know what happens to her, because it's like, I don't want to wear a dress. You know what? Good for you. Don't make her wear a dress. <laughs> Let her go off and do what she, because I'm dying to see what she does. Hey, it's, I'm, 19, I'm, it's 1932. That was not an option. I don't care. It's like, that's one of the reasons I liked her. This is like, and it's also just the fact, it's like, now, Dill, you're going to have to stop fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he manages, he manages to do that as an actor and a character without laughing. Because it's like, this is not what I should be telling my daughter to do. And it's like, good, good for her. I want to know more about her. Mm. Yeah, so. Apparently, uh, by, by the way, Gregory Peck and Mary Batum, they really got along. And yeah, because apparently the woman who the girl who played Scout and the boy who played Jam really didn't. Yeah, apparently they just hated each other. You know, the way yeah. in the way that only kids can. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, I bet she yeah. could take him. That's why she hated him. I'm, I would not be surprised. <laughs> she she um, was tough. Yeah. Speaking oh, of uh, Scout, uh, interesting haircut there, huh? Yeah. Who'd, well, that's who'd... pretty clearly. Here's the mixing bowl. Thump. Well, to me, it was like, here's Harper Lee, thump. Ah. Uh, because her haircut and Harper Lee's haircut bore something uh, in <laughs> resemblance. Um, Harper Lee, as far as I could see up until she died, looked like she had the same bowl. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Um, how did you like that little uh, tribute to... Oh, it wasn't... Was it Banana Ramit? No. Who did oh, walk the like an Egyptian? The bangles. Yes. <laughs> well, what are you doing, Jim? I'm walking like an Egyptian. Because <laughs> I he saw re- what he was doing, and it was like... Have they drugged the school lunches? What is wrong with that kid? <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, we wouldn't be here without the Egyptians." It's like, um, yeah, like they invented I toilet the... paper. <laughs> well, that's what it was. It was embalming and toilet paper. And it's hey, like uh, one okay. of those things is really important. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, one of the things too, 
I was struck by that says we can't make this movie today mm. is that there is this just this level of innocence especially because the first part of the film is all about the kids yeah but there's this level of innocence that i don't even know that we have anymore never mm. mind the ability to depict yeah i mean when we when you look at the scenes with at the end with boo radley right and he's like you know standing over jim's bed and walking off with scout hand in hand in the book and in in this movie it's like oh he's like a big child and part of us but now looking at the at this through a 21st century lens we're going shouldn't somebody call chris hansen and get to, <laughs> to catch a predator over here yeah yeah except it just becomes there's creepy. nothing to that in the actual text it's just we bring that to it right and because and that was one of the amazing things robert duvall is a friggin' genius and the, what he brings to Boo without any lines, there is that strange kind of world-weary but utterly innocent, like a big child. I think that that was incredible. When you consider he's only on screen for like three minutes, right? It's an it's a great performance. Uh. Okay. <laughs> what? If we ever get listeners who feel the need to even reach out and write to us in some way, which more likely than that will happen because everyone's got an opinion. I'm likely to get some mail or response when I start questioning a film of this caliber. But I do have a question or two. And one of them is, what is with Boo Radley? I don't get him. Okay. So, and there's two sort of two things that are, are going to go together here. One of them is that the film felt more like three different movies. Because we got the whole beginning where it's the kids going around the Universal Backlot. I mean town. Because I'm sorry. I, I sit there going, wait, I've been here. Because <laughs> I have been to Universal's Backlot and Warner Brothers and Sony's. And I'm like, I think I know those buildings. And I did. And that's nothing against the film. That's just because I've been to the Backlot and have been used so many times. But um, the whole first part of the film is all about the kids. And mm -hmm. how they see town. And what the times were like. And we know that Atticus is doing Atticus. Where did that name come from? I think it's biblical. Okay. So Atticus is off doing a trial. And we know it's something he doesn't want to do. Um, we just are given a name. We don't know exactly what's going on. And we know that, that it's something that the judge is asking him to do. And he knows that Atticus doesn't want to do it. But he also figures Atticus is probably the only person who will do it. So we know it's there's some stress there. So initially don't really know what's going on. Until the kids, of course, go look in the window. But um, it's really all about the kids. Mm -hmm. And then we get the second movie, which is all about the trial, which is, quite honestly, the part that everyone knows about. And I will have to say that, performance-wise, the miles per gallon of that section of the, the whole movie is huge. Because you get Peck's speech, you get um, Brock Peters' speech, I mean, oh my God, you get to see these people. Actually, to be fair, I can't remember the father's name. The The obvious perpetrator, uh, Mayala's Bob, father. Bob Ewell. Bob Ewell. Whose full name, by the way, is Robert E. Lee Ewell. Ah, well, there you go. Mm. You see his performance. We know who did it. And we actually can sit there and watch Peck pull his little Columbo stunts and mm -hmm. do it. And he never actually comes out and says who did it, but we all know. Mm. So that, that whole section of the movie is really just rich with amazing performances unsaid things that we as an audience understand without any problem at all and then there's this third part of the film 
And that's the Boo Radley part. And I don't quite get it. And I might have missed something. I'm not saying that this is the film's part fault. I'm saying that there's just something I don't get. So Boo Radley has been this kind of, I don't know, boogeyman mm-hmm. character or mention throughout the film. We see the father a couple of times, one initially right from, from behind, right in the beginning of the film. And then he's he's cementing up the tree hole. Um because I guess he found out that his, his yeah, son... Yeah, why, why did you think he did that? Well, I think he found out his son was, was trying to make contact with the outside world, and that's ah. one of the ways he was doing it. Mm-hmm. But then, finally, one night, Dad seems to have disappeared, because we know that Boo only comes out at night, at least that's what they said. So Boo apparently is out and about, for reasons unknown, which happens to be lucky, um, because the kids are wandering home. One of them is dressed as a ham. That's a great sequence. They've just been I... to a Halloween pageant. I, I, I know, and it's just like, okay, so here's this really serious film and has a lot of racial tension, and it's about the Deep South. Oh, and by the way, there's this scene with a ham. Um, what, what do you mean a ham? Oh, it's walking around and it's heading home. Okay, right. Yep, Scout so, is dressed up as a ham, representing the products of Alabama. And the nice thing is that you know it's a ham because it says ham on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so, so Jem and, and Scout are out walking about, one of them dressed as a ham, and out of nowhere, Bob Ewell pops up. Spoilers, but... And for some reason is attacking the kids. I don't exactly know why, except maybe he's just horrible, which you is re- entirely possible. Re- you really don't know why? Um, it didn't come across? Not to me, but again, I could have missed something. Okay. Why, well, go ahead and why, why was he attacking the kids? Well, first of all, it's really clear he friggin' hates Atticus Finch. Right. He hates him because... He doubts his word, and in fact, regardless of what the uh, uh, of the outcome of the trial, the whole town knows. And yeah, this is spoiler again that he's the one who beat up Maella, right? And that she was not raped; she was just she got the crap beaten out of her because she was being nice to a Negro man. Well, we'll get back to that too. Yeah, but hang on. Yep. And uh, Atticus never backs down. Also, he makes him look like an idiot. And uh, there's the sequ- the scene when he's Atticus has gone to tell Robinson's wife that he's dead, and uh, Ewell confronts him and he spits on him. And Atticus just for a second, and that's oh I think a wonderful moment. He starts to lose his composure. He just takes a half step toward Ewell, and Ewell flinches away from him, and he flinches okay. away in front of the black people and in front of Finch's son. And you can see on his face, he's Finch has humiliated him. He's crushed him. Right, okay. just in that moment, I think he's he's just not only is Finch not afraid of him, but he but you will has shown that he's afraid of Finch, and he's a drunk. There's clearly he's clearly messed up in the head. So he decides because he's afraid of Finch, he's going to go after his children. Okay. So actually, I, I I think this might have been one of those moments where I went to get a drink of water, or ah. otherwise. This is a, we talked about this as an earlier in an earlier episode where the experience of watching a movie at home and in a theater are vastly different things mm-hmm. and blink and you miss something important. Now I can see specifically. I mean, besides the fact that he couldn't punch through the ham, I can see why he might have gone after Jem more than Scout. Right, Jem was the one was who the... was in the car who saw this. Okay, so that part makes some sense to me now. He was waiting for a moment where he could go after the kids and not worry about it. And, of course, right. you know, there was the Halloween pageant. So that makes sense. He probably would have known about it. Okay, 
Right. And as for so, why Boo is there, I think he was following the kids. I think he wanted to see what they were doing. Boo obviously goes out at night. There's some description of him in the book as being incredibly pale. There's a sort of an implication he's an albino, which oh, means his light, his eyes are very light sensitive, which is why he wouldn't go out in the daytime. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's just keeping an eye on them. There's also the sort of, there's a kind of animalistic quality to Boo. So it's like he could sense something was wrong. Maybe he could, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he heard or saw Bobby. Well, I didn't have a problem with the fact that he appeared. I think that that fits. Okay, but so he appears. He obviously stabs Bob Ewell. I mm-hmm. mean, Bob Ewell falls on his knife. Right. Why he was carrying it, I'll never know. In the dark, what a silly thing to do. <laughs> and then now Boo Radley's here. And then the yeah. movie's over. Mm-hmm. Like, so to me, the, the, the big dramatic part of the movie is in one way or another centered around the trial mm-hmm. and the racial tension and Atticus' beliefs about people being equal, regardless of whatever happens in the, the sequel that never got written and no one ever heard of. Um, and then we have this. And I don't get it. Like, to me... I can see it as a plot element, but because the movie ends with it, I don't see how it relates to the main story. Okay, I, I, I gotta say I disagree. I think the whole thing is very well integrated. Now, it's true to me that the trial is the central dramatic point, but that's not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story is the kids. The, the whole idea is these are kids who are coming out of the, the true innocence of childhood and they're, see, they're starting, the world, the way they see the world is starting to change. The way they see their father is starting to change. He's not just this superhuman figure. But there are aspects to him they never knew about. The scene with the rabid dog. Old Yeller. That's when, so sad. The, you know, and where some, you know, they're like, oh, Atticus can't shoot. And uh, the cop, the sheriff, hands him the rifle and says, I'd feel a lot better if you'd do it. Right. Because he knows Atticus... Again, in the book, one of the neighbors jokingly refers to him as Deadeye Finch hmm. because apparently he was an expert mark, marksman. And the implication is probably from World War One. So suddenly they're starting to see these elements of their father that they've never seen before. They see he can, he can kill. They've seen that he can, not only can he fight, but he can lose. They, they have to sit there and watch him lose in court. Right. The trial is about the way, partly, the way they see the world. Suddenly they're realizing, you know, there, there isn't justice always. It isn't fair. Things don't always work the way they're supposed to work. And their father's a human being. And the whole thing with Boo, he starts out, he's an invisible presence. There's a lot of sense that he doesn't really exist. He's like a, a, an almost a supernatural figure. There's some question, you know, maybe he's dead. Maybe no one lives in that house anymore. And then they find out, no, he's a real person. He's not magic. It's another, like, a, a childhood story that's becoming a reality. He's a damaged, but basically decent adult. So I, I think it's more about that. I think it's the real, the leaving behind of childhood and the with the loss of innocence that comes with the growing in, of understanding. I just felt it was weirdly placed. 
Hmm. I don't know. I just felt like the, the trial and the loss of, of hmm. Tom Robinson, which was heartbreaking. Hmm. Um, sadly, we, I mean, it was kind of telegraphed. We knew it was some, we knew nothing good was happened. It was going to happen with Tom Robinson. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it was just pretty obvious, you know, especially that big crowd, mm. but, oh, and God scouts performance on the porch of the jail. And it's like, oh, hey, how's it going, Mr. So-and-so? Uh, Thanks yeah. for bringing those hickory. And it's like, oh, my God, yeah. this is amazing. A lynch mob has shown up, you know, with <laughs> shotguns and rifles. And all the only thing between them and murdering this guy, Robbins, Robinson, is initially it's just Atticus sitting out there on the porch with his book and a chair. And then Scout, which just through her innocence, shames them. Yep. I mean, it's I, that that scene always gets me. I always tear up in that scene. It's just so perfect and so sweet. And the boys can't do anything because they really understand. They, they're starting to understand. Jem, who's older, he's understanding what's happening to a degree. And Scout just doesn't understand. You know, why won't Mr. Cunningham say hi? You know, she's yeah. friends with his son, and he brought yeah. he brought them these hickory nuts. Well, well friends. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> he was a boy that she beat up and brought home. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um I just the whole I don't know, it was just I I kind of Boo Radley just sort of felt weird to me. I didn't I don't the placement. I'm going to say the placement of that aspect of the story like ending on that felt weird. Hmm. Like, well, now what? Is is dad going to show up and just take him back again? What happened? We don't even know what happened to his father. I mean, the father seems to be quite aware of what Boo does, and he wants to keep him... He wants from... to keep him safe. He doesn't want him back in an asylum. Well, does he want him safe, or is it all a pride thing? They don't, he doesn't want other people to really know what's going on. That's probably part of it, I'm sure. I mean, Boo is... I mean, that's a big thing, especially with older families. They, they think that anyone with a mental illness or a deformity or anything is a disgrace right. and, and is, a dam is damaging to their family name. And it, I mean, in the movie, given we, Mr. Radley never says anything, I mean, Dad never says anything either, and he just has that sour face. Right. You think in some ways it's like, no, I just you know want I don't want anyone to bother us, but maybe he's protecting Boo. It's hard to say if he's protecting Boo from the people or the people from Boo. Well, considering the actions of the townspeople earlier in the film, probably a little bit of both. I but also like, his reputation. Well, I also like... Do you remember what, what the sheriff says when uh, <clears throat> Atticus is saying, you know, do we, do we have to tell people? And the sheriff's saying, no, look at him. You know, if we tell people what he's done, all, my wife and all the ladies of the town are going to be, be marching up to his front door with angel food cake and knocking <laughs> on his door. And how is him with his shy ways, how is he going to take that? Which is a remarkable act of empathy, because he's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Probably people will be both nosy and well-meaning, and that'll shatter him. Yeah. There's another scene, too, I, I had forgotten that was small, touching, and very powerful. And it's when Scout and Jem are going to bed, and... Atticus has left them, but we're still in the room. Mm -hmm. And Scout starts asking about their mother. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, hey, you know, how, how old was I when mom died? I was like, you were two. And so, wait, I'm your, I'm the age you were then. Yes. Do you remember her? Yes. Do you miss her? Yes. You know, it's like, it is so totally the stereotypical societal male dealing with his emotions. And that's, 
what Jem is doing, and it's like it's all down to one word. And then you you go outside, and there's Atticus, and the implication is Atticus can hear them just fine. Yeah. And he's as broken up as his son is, and you can see that's where the son gets it. That's the stoicness, sto- stoicity. Um, but it's just like this continuing sort of inability or, or unwillingness to express emotion about something that obviously touches them very deeply. And it was right before the sheriff, or no, was it the sheriff, the judge? The judge comes up and asks him to do the case. So it's mm-hmm. like, here's this little thing, but now we're going to get to the big part. So it's almost like a blink and miss it scene. But I thought it was a really amazing little scene. What I like, what I liked about that is, you know, Jim is trying to sleep, and he doesn't say to, to Scout, "Don't bother me. I want to sleep. Leave me alone." He keeps answering her, and again right. with those one word, big brother male answers. But he doesn't just tell her; he tells her. He answers yeah. her. Yeah, he admits that he misses her and that mm-hmm. he loved her. So, which is very tough touching to do yeah. in 1932. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I'm going to go back for a minute, back to we were talking about the trial and uh, Tom Robinson, and you were saying, oh, you know, he Brock Peters did a great job, and he was being nice to a white woman. Yeah, except what ended up happening, and I was like, wait, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Are they talking about male rape? Because they kind of are. What? Well, no, I didn't she, get that. What do you mean? Oh, it was totally because she, if you, we have to take Tom Robinson as his word, because quite honestly, at this point, I don't know why he'd lie, because yeah. he figures they're not going to believe him no matter what he says. And he says he goes in there and she basically corners him and starts kissing him. Oh, and it's pretty oh, obvious that. She wants more than that because she hasn't been with a man, mm-hmm. and she figures in some way, well, I can make this guy do what I want because who is what you know who's going to listen to him? Mm-hmm. But oh, it was I like see. we don't even talk about that now. Like it's still a societal pressure that when it happens to a guy, they just don't talk about it because everyone's going to make fun of them, right? Well, there's there's, like, the, the, he, there's no implication that they actually had sex because I think no. Dad showed up first. But I see what you mean. Right. This is a kind of sexual assault because she's yes. the one in the position of power. Even right. though he feels sorry for her, she's the white woman and he's a black man in 1932 Alabama. Well, I think he feels sorry for her and it's also a case of, well, I kind of have to do what she wants because yeah. if I don't, I could get in trouble. Yeah. Which, you know, is heartbreaking in and of itself. That whole thing is just awful. But I was amazed that they would tackle something like that because even though it never got to that point, the implication was if somebody hadn't interrupted how far would Robinson have let it go before he just ran off Mm -hmm. and maybe ran off forever because he's like, what am I supposed to do? She's going to tell people something happened, which of course is ended up what, what ended up happening. And you could just, Oh God, the fear in Brock Peters performance, dear God, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, again, that whole sequence, the whole trial is just heartbreaking. And, And, you know, as you pointed out in the beginning, still sadly an issue. Yeah. So, but, yeah, just the fact that they were even touching on that just amazed me. It's like, wait, what year is this? 1960-something? Uh, okay. Because, of course, Hollywood at that point couldn't even bother to deal with female rape in a proper way. Mm. It was always some, you know, horribly handled thing, both in front of and behind the camera. Mm. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I, just, I, was, yeah. I was astounded by that. A lot of studios didn't want to make this movie, despite the fact it was based on a bestseller they would look at it and say, well, there's no action and there's no love story. Nope. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody saw past that. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, speaking uh, of which, the love story. What's with Miss Maudie? Miss Maudie. That woman who the woman who apparently is a neighbor, but she's over at their house an awful lot. Um. Well, she wasn't she bringing food or something. No, she just she, she goes up for breakfast. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, what you know, Atticus has been a widower for quite a while, and Miss Maudie clearly isn't married. And hmm. well, you know, she lives up to Mount Pilot, so <laughs> she doesn't get by all that often. Uh, she actually, now that you mention her, she reminds me of that character in I Accuse My Parents early in the film when the, the main character comes home and nobody's home except the, the empty gin bottles. And this girl walks in and says, oh, yeah. hey, is your mother home? And he says, no, she's not. And it's like, oh, you want to pour me a drink? And one of the MST guys goes, who are you? And we never, <laughs> we never find out. True, true. It's like, it's like, is it his sister? Because why is he saying, is your, why does she say, is your mom home? I can't believe you are, you are in effect uh, drawing parallels between <laughs> I accuse my parents and to kill a mockingbird. Uh, excuse oh, me, they're Lord. both black and white. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's similar. It's like, hi, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I kind of like they don't. Uh, they leave it to the imagination. And you, it's well, funny. You notice the stuff, some of the background stuff, the background racism. I mean, Atticus, you know, tries to be, you know, we, we don't use that word here. Right. Oh, my God. Every I flinch every time I hear that word. Yeah, it's hard nowadays, especially to hear the movie that uses the N-word so much. Right. Even though it's funny, if you actually go through, I was paying attention this time, they don't use it that much. I think it's, it's like four times. Yeah, it's a few times, but every time it's like a yeah. punch in the face. And they always right. use it in the most nasty way possible. But you notice, it struck me when Atticus is talking to Mrs. DuBose, you know, the old woman out on her porch, there's a black woman sitting like three feet from her, obviously her companion or maid or something. Atticus never acknowledges that she's there. No. She just says hello to her, hello to Ms. DuBose and about her garden, and we have no idea who that other woman is. Well, the woman that is his, his caretaker. His housekeeper, or his yeah. Housekeeper, whatever. Um, he comes in at that one point and says, could you stay tonight? Mm -hmm. And she says, I think I could. And then he, all he says is, I think you should plan to stay, yeah. not please or thank you. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I mean, he's yeah. nicer than most, but yeah, it's still ingrained. Yeah, that, it's, it's still part of the background. Um, also, we'll have to say that considering that racism is a central topic to the film, mm. the film has a very, very white, white ending. It's like yeah. all the black people go away. Yeah. And now we're just going to do with the white. In fact, we're going to go even whiter because we're going to deal with Boo Radley, <laughs> who's as white as white can be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, at least they're, they're presenting the racism as being a negative thing. Mm -hmm. And the scapegoating of Tom Robinson as being an abominable thing, never mind the fact that this guy regularly beats up his, his daughter. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess it's regularly, and this time it got out of hand or something. Also, it's just like, I love the fact that he didn't do anything more, but he kept asking, so, um, why didn't you call a doctor? Yeah. What? <laughs> well, I could see that she was fine, or I could see that somebody else did this. There oh. was no need. Oh. Okay, so... If you're hurt and somebody else did it, then you don't need attention. It's like that whole thing of like, you know, why didn't you? Well, I could see she was beat pretty bad. Okay, wouldn't that imply you should call a doctor? It was just this wonderfully subtle way of saying, ladies and gentlemen of the jury and the audience in general, <laughs> I'm pointing out that this man is a horrible, horrible beast. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm letting you know I'm what a horrible gonna, beast he I'm is. I'm also going to point out that there is no physical evidence that she was raped or had sex of any kind. Right. Yeah. So. 
And of course, you know, the bad part about this is that it makes it one of the reasons that sometimes it's harder for people who have been in the situation to come forward. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of amazing issues in this film. Yeah. Um, it is it is understandable why it is on those lists and, you know, in the top 25, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Especially for an American film, especially for that time. Great performances, um, hard issues, and good depictions. Absolutely. But I haven't said I liked it. <laughs> that's it just doesn't part. mean I like you. Yeah, um. I will say that the energy of the film does seem to fizzle a bit after the courtroom scene. Huh. Um, I thought into it was... The, into the, well, this is, leads into my whole problem with what's this Boot Radley part. Um, it's like, oh yes, there's the attack, and then it's like really, really quiet, tense, and then it ends. It's like, I don't know. Anyway, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to push that any further. I, I have issues, but that's okay. I was still struck by the whole the the mockingbird. You know, the to kill him, the the place of the title, be, which comes. They from never that, tell us how to do it. Yeah, because that <laughs> that little speech about how when uh, Atticus's father gave him a gun, he said you can shoot all the blue jays you want, but it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. And the reason that it was a sin was because a mockingbird doesn't bother anyone; it just makes music. Like, yeah, that covers an awful lot of birds. Yeah. What's special about the Mockingbird, apart from the fact that it can do multiple bird calls? Well, I mean, and other things. Mock- we used to have a Mockingbird that drove me crazy growing up in, in my hometown. Um, there was a Mockingbird that could perfect, perfectly mimic the sound of the swing set squeaking outside. <laughs> so I would hear it and go, oh, there's kids outside to play with, run outside, and the swings weren't even moving. And it's like, oh, it's a damn bird. <laughs> you see, you'd want to shoot something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Jays, at least you know who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Blue Jays. Well, he has a point. Okay. Blue Jays are destructive. They tear, yes. they eat people's gardens. and They wet their that. nests. They, <laughs> no, no, that's the, uh, I thought that was the nuthatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. No, no, the, no, the Gannets. Ah, no more the Gannets. The Gannets, yeah. they wet their nests. <laughs> All right, no Gannet, no nuthatch. Here's your book now. <laughs> Buy it. I can't buy that. It's torn. <laughs> I wonder if you've got Monty Python, ladies and gentlemen. Um... <laughs> or a reasonably bad facsimile thereof. I, I mean, I guess that's... Uh, and sort of, I kind of like that's how Scout deals with the idea of not telling people about Boo Radley. It's, it's like he's a mockingbird. He's not actually hurting anyone. He's not doing any harm. So why, you know, why destroy him? Hmm. Very forward thinking for either 1962 or 1932 mm. or 34 or whatever year it was. Just a little thing. I really liked how they, state, in effect, tell you what era it is. I mean, I'm sure that, like, experts could go, oh, I know that car. That's the 1930-whatever. Yeah. Hupmobile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, look, yeah, let's examine the gussets on the uh, clothing <laughs> there. That's clearly... my. He just... When Right at the beginning, when Mr. Cunningham comes to pay off some of his debt in, you know, hickory nuts... And he, the scout's asking about, you know, being poor. And Atticus, it's just a throw. He says, well, the crash hit them. They're farmers. The crash hit them very hard. Like, okay, the crash, 1929. Right. So we know this is the Great Depression. Perfect. Thank you. I think I think there's actually, the, the overdubbing says it's 1932. Oh, okay. That didn't sink in as much for me. It was just that line that really set both. It also gives you the idea, okay, we're, Dealing not just with a, a, a time period, but econ- but this is the economic background, too. Well, then, of course, that's followed right up by, Daddy, are we poor? Yes, we are. Really? I don't think you are. Well, they're not uh, as poor. Because you've got a pretty yeah, nice they, house, they, and they you got have a, a nice house. they got a servant. 
they've got you know the lovely lady from Mount Pilot coming over, bringing up uh, angel food cakes yeah, and yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Betty Lou and whatever. She's got a gun in her handbag, you know. <laughs> so, uh, anything else before we get to uh, the roundup and decide if this is any good worth watching? If, you nice. know, horses died for this. <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, yeah. Well, that would let's, um, let's round it up. The Roundup. Okay, so, did you like it? I'm not going to tell you. Why not? <laughs> All right. Yes, <laughs> except for that part at the end, the Boo Radley part, which okay. is one of the iconic parts. Everybody knows, if, if you know anything about American film and you hear the name Boo Radley, you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why he's called Boo Radley, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know how you get Boo from Arthur. I, you, Mr. Arthur. Yeah. I don't either. Um, maybe because he scares. I, who knows? I didn't get Addison. I don't know why she's called Scout. I like Scout a lot better than her real name, which I forget what it was. But uh, it was like um, Tina Marie or something. I don't know. Yeah, Lisa it doesn't. Marie. It doesn't matter because she was Scout. Yeah, I, and that's why she should be. In fact, I would be so disappointed to find out she grew up to be a housewife. It's like, no, she's <laughs> she needs to be Amelia Earhart or something like that. Yeah, she needs, yeah. She to, needs to like be a, you know a spotter in World War Two or yeah or a French spy or I don't know. She just I I really liked that character and she was somebody that's like I want to see what happens to her because she's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I liked the film. Um, it was a really good film. I'm glad I finally got off my buns and watched it. Mm-hmm. I can see that it is Oscar worthy. Um, it must have been up against some some very stiff competition that year. Yeah. Um, because cause didn't uh, Miracle Worker win Best Picture? I don't remember if it won Best Picture. It won Best Actress, and I think Best Supporting Actress. Mm. But I can't remember uh, Patty who won. Duke. Uh, you know, a hot dog makes her lose control. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yes, but she can. She does see the sights one can see from Brooklyn Heights. Yes. You could lose your mind. You really could. <laughs> when cousins oh. are two of a kind. Oh, that. Oh, I think that's why. That was also the year of West Side Story. Oh, really? Yeah, 1962. Dang, man. I wish. You know, that's something I wish for. I wish we had years now like that where you had so many amazing oh. iconic films coming out. It's like I have no idea what's going to win Best Picture. Yeah, I know. You know. Back when you had movies that you just. You just looked at it and go, oh my, God. I'm sorry, I was wrong. That was 1963. Oh, I see. That's right. Lawrence of Arabia was also oh. out Okay, that year. never mind. <laughs> oh, David, man. Yeah, that's not, yeah. Sorry. Whatever happened to <laughs> what Baby does, Jane. All the, oh, my God. What a year that was. Doesn't that suck? You make yes. this iconic American film. You make this film that deals with heavy issues, great performances. Like, oh, yeah. Um, By the way, Lawrence of Arabia is coming yeah. out, too. Yeah. Sorry. Listen, listen to who it was nominated that year. Lawrence of Arabia was the one that won. The others were The Longest Day, one of the most famous World War II movies, The Music Man, <laughs> and Mutiny on the Bounty. Ooh, God. ooh, wait, is that Commander Quig with, uh, no. No, Mr., you know, uh, Mr. Christian. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. I was thinking of um, the K-Mutiny. Yeah, yeah. Commander Quig, one yeah, of uh, Quig, Humphrey yeah. Bogart's last uh, performances. Yeah, one of, his juggling few, one of his few is a bad guy. It's almost remarkable. Yeah, well, wasn't he a bad guy in Sierra Madre? Yes, that's true. Okay. I think there's one or two others, but usually he was the hero, the leading man. Right. But yeah, he, no, his performance as Commander Quig is terrific. You have, have you seen that? Yes, because okay. I remember distinctly him sitting there juggling the, the BBs. The, the steel balls? Yeah. Um, 
that yeah that was yeah. a year holy holy poop Guys. um and to be fair there have been some films recently that have won best picture that i think have been amazing films yeah. i just don't see like those kinds of films all coming out together. Yeah, that's the thing. Usually it's like, oh, wow, this film was great. I'm glad yeah. it won because look at the other four that it was up against, or nine that right. it was up against. And it's like, wow, you miss the years where, oh, my God, all of them are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like, oh, La La Land. Now, to be fair, I didn't see La La Land. I did. Uh, and actually, to be fair, the one that won White last people year, saved jazz. Did they? Yes. Wasn't that nice of us? You know, white people were voted the best of all. <laughs> Please note that is a quote, is yep. a reference yes. to a MST3K episode. That's not an opinion. We don't nope. share it. I hope nope, by nope, listening nope. to the previous parts of this episode, that would be clear, but you never know. People True. focus on weird things. Yeah. Um, not available no, in all uh, states. Sorry, Tennessee. Eh. So I, like read this, this year's winner for Shape of Water, mm. a film I enjoyed. Yeah. Did I think it was an Academy Award Best Picture winner? No. I mean, yeah, is that Lawrence of Arabia or no. To Kill a Mockingbird? No, it's no. not. It's a, It was a good movie. It looked nice, it, but... It was nice. It was okay. Yeah. I think it took place in 1960-something, so... Uh, yeah. connected. <laughs> yeah, but it's not It's not like a movie that I would ever tell someone, okay, if you're going to be a student of film, you have to watch this movie. No. I know some people who've seen it and really liked it. Sure. Like they were like, oh, that was a great film, and it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you enjoyed yeah, it, good. but I just... You're right, I... This is not Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. So, um, did you like the film, Max? I did. I have always liked this film. Yeah, I always find it very touching, very moving. It's painful, and but the the acting is so good. And, mm. and I'm sorry, these are to find not one, not two, but three kids who do a really good job. I mean, hopefully okay. one of them never actually says "bonk bonk" on the head, but yeah. he's thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> you you can see it in his eyes, I know. <laughs> Rotten grups. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> They're also at God and Gregory Peck. Yep. Where you, you just go, Oh, you know what? I'm not I'm glad not only is he a superb actor, but he's the kind of guy you'd want to like, you know? Mm-hmm. He just sounds like he's a he just uh and Brock Peters and even oh, oh god, Peters. the guy who oh god. And the guy playing uh uh Bob Yule Who's, who his name? He was like this classic tough guy actor, uh, James Anderson. Oh, I don't he, know. He, he, you, you would. He's one of those. He's a, st- a character actor. You always plays like gangster thugs or heavies or or frightening guys. Okay. Uh, and Robert Duvall, who pretty much picks up the end of the movie and walks away with it without saying a word. This is the great Santini, for God's sake. <laughs> Among other things. Among other things. My God. The, the, the movie, to me, it has just about everything. Yeah, it doesn't have a love story. And, well... That's fine. Bob Ewell, I, I suppose, is the villain, but he's not. He's just sort of a horrible person who happens to be there. He's not like the villain of the whole movie. I think racism is, is, the, is the villain of the whole yeah. movie. And misunderstanding yeah. and, and preconception and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but there isn't a specific character, and it doesn't no. need it. It doesn't need any of that. No. And it's um, it's it's a terrific movie. I cannot recommend it enough, and I would see it again and again. So you're saying it's worth seeing again? Several times. I will say, too, especially uh, if you're a student of American film, the, the nice thing, too, is that not only is Gregory Peck's performance really good, but it is a performance that one could easily have gone 
Emperor Palpatine on, right? Oh, yeah, you could have totally joined. You people of the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen of the jury, you can't send this poor boy to prison. All right, now we've run the gamut, because now you're you're quoting a Bugs Bunny cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Yeah, but he's quoting... I don't know what movie. I think he's doing Charles Lawton, but I can't remember what oh, movie. Oh, no, I thought it was um, a Barrymore. I thought it was Oh, a, was it Lionel Barrymore? I think it's Lionel Barrymore. Okay, okay. I don't know what movie. I don't, I, I don't know what the movie is either. But yeah, so we're was... referencing Bugs Bunny, referencing yet another movie. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's the kind of breadth of knowledge we that's have. That's what we do. So I'm going to agree. I would say that this is, this is one of those American films that you should at some point see mm. it's very well put together i do have that that issue with the ending this is obviously just me because the rest of the film world loves it mm. um but i just for me that, that just the tone is just weird but the kids are great everybody's great there's no weak performances in it there's some people you wish you could see a little bit more i mean True. that brock peterson i'm just gonna go over and over that that's just mm. that, that poor, i just felt so bad for that guy and not one point that i sit there and think oh wait it's an actor no it's just like oh dear god's that poor I can't imagine the pressure. And one other bit of trivia: when Gregory Peck died, Brock Peters read the eulogy at his film at his funeral. Man, yeah, there's a guy I want to read at my funeral. Yeah, was he still around? I don't think so. I think he just died fairly recently. That's too bad. Yeah, really good actor though. I'm gonna have to search him out. Mm. Well, you know what that means. We've determined our 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 thoughts of the film, and we've uh, said that it's worth seeing, worth seeing again. We probably the most recommended film that we have seen on Max Mike movies to date. Mm, I'd say this is one, of, yeah, one of the ones that's really considered a classic. So you know what that means. What's that? Now we have to end the show. Yes, we do. What are we worst at? Ending the show. Yes. So, <laughs> since you're hosting, ah, yes, since you're hosting, I will end the show. This is the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. So we'll we'll talk we'll see you next week where we will talk about yet another movie that one of us has seen and one of us has not seen. So for until then, this is Max. And until then, this is Mike. At that point, I will no longer be Mike. Yes. Tune in and see what he becomes then <laughs> when he chews his way out of his chrysalis. <laughs> Happy chrysalis right. chewing, everybody. Bye. Happy chrysalis. Happy life day. <laughs> Next week on Max Mike Movies, the boys will be discussing the film Exit Through the Gift Shop, so watch ahead, won't you? Want to contact us? You can find our episodes online at maxmikemovies.com or follow our Twitter feed at MaxMikeMovies. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.